Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, September 4th. 2023. Happy Labor Day to America, and happy birthday to my brother Mike, who's referred to as Tito by everyone outside of his immediate family for reasons none of his friends are willing to talk about. On the show today, news, surveys, and listener questions. Then in our main segment, Jim Hill follows up news of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion expansion with other Haunted Mansion ideas that almost materialized. See what I did there? Let's get started by bringing in the man who says the popularity of Minecraft shows that abolishing child labor was a mistake, that children yearn for the mines. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot in the intro, wasn't it? <laughs> that, was, that, that was a lot. But, but on the other hand, you, know, you bringing up the mines and going underground, I, earlier this month, Nancy and I traveled to Heldertown, Pennsylvania to visit the Lost River Caverns. Uh, this is... Some uh, tourist attraction in the area that's been in, in business since the 1930s. And it's something that Nancy's grandparents used to take her to and she had very fond memories of. So it's, it's a guided walking tour of an underground limestone cavern. Caverns, yeah. Damp, cold, a constant 52 degree. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Florida. It sounds kind of pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on, that's Jim. That's an interesting it. point. There we yeah. go. All right, but you don't pay on the way in they actually make you pay on the way out really well yeah and, and after a, a half hour of having water constantly drip on your head and, and a teenager go and there's a stalactite <laughs> that looks like a horse's butt you know it's just sort of like you'll you'll pay anything, anything to get out of it yeah yeah so the, the uh, i guess the uh, the cost uh, for admission goes down the longer you stay like if you're there oh, five minutes, yeah. you're like, yeah, it's $20 to get out. But if you're there for two hours, it's like, give me three bucks. Uh, but again, <laughs> entertainment was different in the 30s. After my experience at Lost River Karen's, I now understand the popularity of Mumbly Peg. <laughs> Did you know that the border of Kentucky was partly set by where the caves and caverns sit in terms of uh, tourist revenue? I did not know yeah. that. Oh, yeah, interesting. Wow. interesting. Right, so there we go. Oh, yeah. we, learn, we learn something uh, every day on the show. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout-out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Chris Glynn, Erwin Tates, Joel Burgos, and Brent Levy, and longtime subscribers Sean Encinas, Michael Ball, Jason Muir, and Jason Hoover. Jim, these are the Disney cast members whose idea for Haunted Mansion-themed caskets, urns, and mausolea, real things you could be buried in, never made it into funeral homes. They said that while they're disappointed in the result, they're happy that one concept— a line of see-through coffins called Remains to be Seen is still being worked on by Imagineers. Oh. <laughs> Can you tell that I've been alone in this apartment for a couple of days? <laughs> wow. <laughs> a lot of time to think about this stuff. I'm actually going to have to insist that before this podcast goes there, you trademark Remains to be Seen. <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> to... Otherwise, someone else is going to have a house by the sea, Len. You know, just it. It, it, that's, a, that's a great idea. Thank you. Really, Thank you. you know. All right, Jim, on to the news because we got a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Folks, the Disney Dish okay. News is sponsored by Touring Plans Travel Agency. Yes, we have a travel agency too, and we can help book your next trip. 
Plus, it comes with a free Touring Plans subscription. Check us out at touringplans.com slash dish. All right, Jim. Uh, first bit of news mm-hmm. is that Disney might be looking to revive its nighttime offerings at the Animal Kingdom. There are no current after-hours events, and the park hasn't had regular evening extra magic hours or extended evening theme park hours for years. Mm-hmm. But our friends at WDW Magic noticed something interesting with Disney's park hours data, and I suspect that that's an extended evening theme park hours session was listed in the feed but not in the app for 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Wednesday, November 8th. And that's interesting because mm. we haven't seen that before. We should know more about this in about a week or so when the regular calendar is officially released, but it would not surprise me now to see that happen. What do you think? This is not... The nighttime safari thing with the phone. No, that's why I brought that up because they they have a history of trying evening things like the safari. Right. And on the heels of the Moana and the Zootopia redo. Oh, we have an entire thing around it coming up in listener questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For me, the notion of, oh, let's try extra magic hours when we pull out the very things that people can do at night. It's like, that's an interesting choice, Lynn. Yeah, the thing I'm trying to figure out here is like the date itself, November 8th, is mm-hmm. when there'll be, you know, the, uh, you know, we're sort of in the beginning of the Christmas party season over at Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. can't do extended evening theme park hours. They've already, oh. they've already tried it with the studios, but um, right. based on a conversation that I'm not going to reveal the details of between you and mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. park maintenance... I suspect yep. that they don't want to use the studios because they're trying to get some maintenance done at the studios. So Animal Kingdom would make sense if this is really a thing. Okay. I mean, okay. We'll uh, again, let, let, let's let's keep an eye on. Yeah, this. we should know in about a week that? or so. Okay. Cool. Also, Disney's announced that cast member previews for Journey of Water will run through mm-hmm. September 22nd. That leaves about a week for DVC and AP previews. If Disney was shooting for an October 1st opening, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to. Uh, Gonna get a preview of this today. In fact, at one o'clock. So I'll uh, I'll let you know oh, how it goes. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have seen the cast member footage stuff that that I want to say Disney Parks put out, and it looks pleasant. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I'm going in spoiler free. I haven't looked at any social media feeds or anything like that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Can't can't wait to get your take. Also, uh, Disney Cruise Line delayed its announcement for the Disney Treasure, the newest ship until September 5th because of Hurricane Adelia, which came through Florida a couple days ago. Makes sense. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this in our feature story in depth, but Disneyland's announced additions and changes to the Haunted Mansion in New Orleans Square. That did? Yeah, a whole bunch of stuff coming up on that. All right, Jim, we have time for some surveys. Our friend Andrew sent in a Disney survey with a handful of either new or reworded questions. The first one was, what was the most important aspect in your ultimate decision to visit the Walt Disney World Resort. And there are answers for things like, it's my happy place, I always visit at this time of the year, I expected lower crowds, and so on. The next question is, which of the following best describes your level of planning for your recent Walt Disney World Resort visit? And the options are, we kept all of our planning spontaneous, we kept most of it spontaneous, we pre-planned some, and we pre-planned everything. And the reason why I mentioned this question, Jim, and this is for our friends at Disney Park Surveys who, who listen to the show, I would love to see the same question, but asked, and how did that work out for you after the fact? <laughs> I'm being serious. Like, because like, there's, there's two parts to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How much planning did you do? And then after the fact, how much planning do you wish you'd done? 
I love that they asked this question, oh, yeah, but you're too. right. Yeah. Just given the way the traveling to the Disney parks and some of this changes come January where the reservation system yeah. goes away. But but yeah, fascinating that they're asking that question now. Yeah, and I think and I think that's actually, an, I'm, I'm serious, I think it's an important question for Disney parks to ask. Not only like, what did you think going in, but mm-hmm. what were the results of those decisions that you made and would you change anything? You want to close the loop on that question, yeah. There should have been a follow-up on that. But again, I'd love to Mm. see what the response to that was. And then Andrew has another question that I really liked. And it says, which of the following best describes how you engaged with each of the rides below on your most recent visit? So the options are, I rode this attraction at least once. I didn't ride, but I wanted to. And I Mm. didn't ride and I didn't want to. And Jim, the interesting thing here is the attractions mm-hmm. that it lists. And that is just for the Magic Kingdom. And it's mm-hmm. Space Mountain, Tron, Big Thunder, and Seven Dwarves. Which I want to point out is every open mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this question is interesting because if they have the same question responses mm-hmm. from before Tron opened, they mm-hmm. can see if Tron is an additional thing that people are riding or a swap for another mountain. Oh, and by collecting this information now, they can use it to compare when Tiana's Bayou Adventure opens mm-hmm. later on next year. And that might indicate whether more thrill rides are needed for the Magic Kingdom. Tron Light Cycle Run has been open nine months at this point. Yeah, something like half a year. Half a year. Yeah. Are you seeing it impact the way people are planning their visits? No, to the, this the, is the, the interesting kingdom? thing. I mean, it's, it's highly rated. You know, people who ride it mm-hmm. like it. But okay. it's not a destination attraction the way that Seven Doors Mine Train was or that Tiana's Bioadventure will be. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. One is it's a thrill ride that goes uh, you know, very fast. So that's automatically going to eliminate a large percentage of guests. Um, number two, the fact okay. that it's very, very short. There's a cost-benefit analysis that everyone does when it comes to waiting mm-hmm. in line. And third... You know, let me put this delicately for all of our science fiction uh, friends. You know, Tron is sort of a niche market. You are not wrong. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, in fact, it, it kind of intrigued me that we got within inches out ahead of the strike of getting the third Tron movie right. in production, which was supposed to bring the Tron characters into the real world because mm. that was supposed to make it affordable. Mm. We'll see. You're not wrong about Tron. I, I think they may have overthought this. Maybe another franchise or another IP would have been the smarter way to go. In fact, that honestly also kind of concerns me about Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Ah, because I again, that, that, if I think that's if you drill down into the actual box office yeah. in 2009, it didn't do all Yeah, that but it's, well. it's, uh, it's gained a lot of following in the years since. It's one of those slow burn type, uh, type things. Okay, I hope you are right. Well, when we talk about the Haunted Mansion, I have some ideas about how that fits in with Tiana's bio-adventure in Disneyland. So let's, let's talk about oh, that. Oh, can't wait. All can't right. wait. Okay. Also, mm-hmm. our friend uh, Blake sent in a Disney survey he got after making a whole bunch of dining reservations for an upcoming trip. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing that I uh, like about these questions were they're Disney focusing on the usability of the website. So one of the questions was, uh, please rate how clear the information provided on the following web pages were while visiting DisneyWorld.com today. Park information pages and food and beverage dining pages. And the way I interpreted this question, Jim, was how mm-hmm. easy was it for you to give us your money today? 
Yeah, interesting that this is finally coming up yeah. from corporate. Well, because is, Disney you know. Disney recently uh, released new updates to its dining pages to make it more like open table when it comes to booking. So I think this is a follow-up oh. on that. But Jim, the, uh, the next question is, I think, a category of things that we would call can of worms. All right? And the question is this. How much do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The specific DisneyWorld.com webpages that I visited are a trustworthy place to find information about the Walt Disney World Resort. Oh, dear. And, you know, that could go in a number of ways because they specifically mentioned the food and beverage dining packages. And there I think you're looking at, like, I mean, you know how Disney is, right? There's every restaurant is above average, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think here they're trying to figure out what percentage of guests are looking for actual critically evaluated information about things. Because, again, if you're going to spend, you know, $70 per person plus tip and tax at Be Our Guest for lunch, for a family of four, that's a commitment. That's like a week of groceries easy, right? Yeah. You think, or Disney's trying to figure out, I think, here, whether they're giving enough families enough advance notice about what the experience is and what the cost is so that everyone goes in with clear eyes. I would love, love, love to see this, uh, this answer, yeah. That is a leading question. I mean, and that's the other thing, Oof. too, because we've, we've seen on other Disney surveys where they ask, which external websites did you use to get information? And they'll list specific websites. And I think here they're trying to figure out whether people look at Disney's website as just a utility site for booking things, where they're getting they're making their decisions somewhere else and then just booking what they find out, or whether they're just using Disney for everything. So we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. All right, we have time for a couple of listener questions. Here's one from Sean. He says, a friend and I will be at Disney for one day on Saturday, January 20th, 2024. I haven't done Tron yet, and he hasn't visited Galaxy's Edge. What's the best way to see both attractions? We're staying on-site at Pop and are fine with super early arrival, using Genie Plus, buying individual lightning lane, bribery, trickery, or calling upon the spirit of Walt to guide us. <laughs> you know, it's that, it's that kind of can-do attitude, John, that we appreciate here at the show, yeah. Absolutely. Now, upside is, of course, January 20th, 2024, reservation system is gone. gone so what yeah. do you think? I mean, is this a situation of go to the kingdom first thing in the morning, hit Tron, and then just head straight over to the studio to do Galaxy's Edge? What's your take? Yeah, so that's absolutely what I do. I would start at the Magic Kingdom, not at Hollywood Studios. Um, and I would just make a beeline for Tron and see that. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything else you wanted to see while you're there. You know, do that. Mm-hmm. But definitely you want to be in the very, very front of the very front of the line for, mm-hmm. uh, for Tron. And then I would head over to Galaxy's Edge. And the reason why I would put Galaxy's Edge second is Rise of the Resistance is notoriously unreliable, as everyone knows who listens to the show. And you don't want to spend your morning waiting around uh, for that to happen. The other thing I would say, uh, since Sean mentioned it, I would absolutely purchase individual Lightning Lane for Rise of the Resistance because... Rise of the Resistance averages about two breakdowns a day for about an hour each. And unless you make it to the first pre-show room, if mm-hmm. Disney kicks you out of line, they're not going to give you a return fast pass to skip the line the next time. So in a worst case scenario, you could wait in line mm-hmm. twice for an hour, get kicked out both times, get nothing for it, and then come back a mm-hmm. third time and have to wait in line to actually ride Rise of the Resistance. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you got one day, Sean, 25 bucks or whatever it is, for individual lightning lane for Res of the Resistance is absolutely fine. 
And then I would just, uh, you could either wait in the line for Millennium Falcon or if you want to buy Genie Plus just for that. Or use the single rider line. If you guys both go into the single rider line, there's a decent chance you'll either be in the same pod or like next to each other. That's fine too. But yeah, I would, I would do that. Okay. The other thing I would call out is if you haven't visited Galaxy's Edge, I really like Docking Bay 7 for lunch. And that sort of fits in better with this. Yeah. Just lately I've been, you know, I don't know, it, it, something about Labor Day. It's like, hot, I don't want hot dogs. I want Ronto roasters. Where, where can I get those? <laughs> exactly. Around here. You know? Yeah, that's tough. That's tougher to get. All right, here's a quick question from Carolyn. My family recently sailed above the Star Cruiser Halcyon along with Ben Lonely on the DVC Voyage. Hello, Ben. Oh. Son. Mm -hmm. Uh, I received this typical (laughs) post-visit survey, which I thought was odd, knowing that it's closing. I thought it was comical filling out a survey about something that we know is going to close. That is, until I got the request below. What does this mean? Why would they be paying to survey Star Cruiser guests when it's closing? Is there hope for a reopening, or could this be exploring some future opportunity for the site or the technology? And the, que- and the survey is this. Greetings, Walt Disney World Resort guest. At Disney Destinations Research, feedback is very important to us. We'd like you to participate in a 60-minute online interview, which will be held at various times over the next couple months. And you get paid $150 to do it. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, why would Disney care if they're closing the Star Cruiser in 26 days what people think of it. Earlier this summer, Josh DeMauro mm-hmm. teased that there will be a use for this facility at some point in the future. And again, you got to remember how much money has been invested in the, this physical plant. The fact that we're now three episodes into the run of Ahsoka Tana, yep. you know, the limited series on Disney Plus, which 14 million people tuned in for. I mean, that it's not a question of that people don't love Star Wars. It's just that this particular iteration of Star Wars didn't catch fire in the way that Disney originally intended. And we're still in that weird tax write-off yeah. depreciation. <laughs> Where the people making the decisions are the accountants, not the creatives or the or management. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, again, you have this amazing facility yeah. that you've built. And it's just the whole notion of, okay, that didn't work. But what if we came at this a different way? And so that's like I will yeah. be absolutely fascinated to hear what might have come up again what questions were asked as part of this survey about what if you were able to go to the halcyon to do this yeah exactly instead yeah carolyn or uh, anybody who's who gets this survey if you guys get selected i would love to hear the questions jim i'm going to ask you one uh one question about this and mm-hmm. i need a uh i need a true or a false no mm-hmm. no hedging right True or okay. false, the main problem with the Galactic Star Cruiser was the marketing message was wrong. I would have to say yes. Yeah, you know? uh, I think so too. I think, you know, yeah. because the number of people who are who decided to book the Star Cruiser after the mm-hmm. closing announcement was made, who have emailed yeah. me to say, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever done in a Disney yeah. theme park. Why is it closing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in those discussions, people are mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the main thing people say was, I thought it was just a hotel. I didn't realize there was gameplay, right? Mm-hmm. And the depth of the gameplay exceeded my expectations by so much that it's almost impossible to explain it. And if, mm-hmm. you, if you go back and look at the, um, the press that came out before the Star Cruiser, even, even from people who were invited on by Disney, you know, a lot of it was referred to as the Star Wars Hotel, 
And I think that's where it got screwed up. Like once, once it was tagged as Star Wars Hotel, not Star Wars Experience, that's where it all went off the rails. And, and that's unusual to me because Disney's usually so strong with its marketing message and so disciplined in how it stays on point that for them to lose that and not even really even capture it, they never even got their message out on this thing. And I think marketing was the main problem. So we'll see. But at the same time, it's, you know, when you look at the things that they did, like, for example, you know, bringing the, that actor from the Goldbergs yeah. on to do, like, I want to say that uh, somewhere around the Super Bowl, you mm -hmm. know, and it, him sitting, looking admiringly at Gaia as she sang, it yeah. was like, there were so many missed opportunities. Yeah, it's true. And they, it, it's a rare misstep for Disney marketing on that. Usually they, they uh, bury the needle in the other direction, to borrow one of your phrases. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I'm surprised. All right. And Jim, here's a question for you from Greg, who says, while listening to your recent series about the Spain Pavilion that was never built, I couldn't help but wonder about the similarities in the ride development between the proposed gigantic attraction and the Ratatouille attraction. In addition to similar ride technology with the trackless system, they both would have had very similar theme and gag that you are in a world where you're essentially tiny. I don't know if the timing works out, but it makes me think that it's possible that the gigantic attraction had developed the idea first, and then when it was canceled, the Imagineers switched the overall concept to Ratatouille. Any thoughts or insights into this possibility? The, the problem really is that you got it somewhat backward. Ratatouille the Adventure opened at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris in July of 2014, and then that was after... The film was released to theaters uh, 2006, 2007, ah, something to that okay. effect. And so it was supposedly the gigantic team that got to see Ratatouille in development. And just the scenes where the giant Skinner is reaching down and attempting to grab you in the tiny little rat car, that was what them made them think, oh my God. This is a natural mm. for gigantic. I'll, you know, we'll just keep the ride system in place. And in a weird sort of way, it was indie meets Countdown to Extinction. Uh, uh, just keep the ride system in place. Yeah, yeah. Only use a different IP. And sure. it's rather than the rat led to the, the gigantic ride, not the gigantic ride led to the rat ride. Yeah, there we go. All right, good answer. Mm -hmm. All right, okay. uh, last question. And it's a thought-provoking one from Wes. Mm -hmm. He says, okay. you guys often talk about attractions that are gone now or were never built, but I'd love a segment every now and then about attractions that are still open, but might not be long for this world. At this point, like most of your listeners, my next trip won't be my last trip. So if there's something that one of you is fond of that might not be there next year, I'd go out of my way to get there. Love the show and keep up the good work. All right, thank you, Wes. All right. So Jim, I did some research on this and I have some ideas. Okay. And in the show notes, I have a map that we'll reference to, and we'll post the show mm -hmm. notes online. All right. So here's what I looked at. I looked at I looked for the lowest rated currently operating attractions in the parks in Walt mm -hmm. Disney World and Disneyland, excluding things like films, which are easy to replace, or mm -hmm. high volume, cheap to operate attractions like Lightning McQueen. I also looked at attractions with a minimum of 250 reader surveys that we've gotten in the last year. So these are things that people go to and then are like, eh, right? Mm -hmm. There's 247 attractions in Disney's domestic parks that meet this criteria. Mm -hmm. And here's my, here's my thought. Everything in the Imagination Pavilion is in the bottom six of that list of 247. The ride, image works, the pavilion itself, right? Mm -hmm. It is such an obvious choice for a replacement that I would be shocked 
if Disney doesn't have multiple options for this on a shelf somewhere in Glendale. Oh, no doubt. And you were the one who shared with me that that slide out of the presentation that was done for Disney World managers were how, you know, the original plan prior to the pandemic was a $170 million redo of imagination. Yeah, and that, that might be low at this oh, point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it was on the table yeah. and for some reason fell off. So Yeah, but the imagination pavilion is so weak in so many areas. It has to be the number one thing that Disney's looking at. Absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, you look at how much merch for food and wine just in the past know, with figment on it. I mean, it's just the whole notion of this is a park that is clearly in the figment business, but yeah, it's it, like, and it, but doesn't want to embrace it. Home at night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they need to keep home figment. At night to a tenement, you know, it's just yeah. sort of like a hundred percent. They need to keep figment and redo it. And it needs to stay the imagination pavilion for historical reasons, I, I think. Plus, you know, I think yeah. imagination is sort of a blank canvas for what imagineering does. Imagination fits in a lot of concepts, right? So it needs to stay, but it needs to be improved. The uh, The second attraction is uh, Mission Space, also in Epcot. Mm-hmm. This gym, I think we can all agree, was never the hit that it was supposed to be. It's not kid-friendly, and we're coming up on the 20-year mark for financial depreciation. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally I'd say Epcot does not need two more construction projects, but... Like I once said in a honky-tonk bar outside of Amarillo, I can be convinced of a lot of things. <laughs> For me, what speaks volumes about Mission Space is, look, if I have an opportunity to go on this attraction and I can either pick the spinning version or go to the non-spinning version, yeah. I actually think the non-spinning version tells the better story. Well, because it's been updated and it's newer, and it's, so it's got slightly better yeah. graphics, I think, yeah. It's time. Oi, is it time? The, uh, the, thing, the thing that I noted, too, when I did the review of Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is, if you think about the, the, the story that you're actually following while you're in the cockpit, mm-hmm. it's essentially mission space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. I mean, same sort of story beats, same sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, you're teetering over the edge in a simulator. Mm-hmm. Same sort of crash landing at the end. It's all it's the same story. Yeah. All right. The third thing, Jim, is mm-hmm. all of Rafiki's Planet Watching Conservation Station. It is extremely low rated. It has low capacity. There's already some infrastructure there. I think transportation would be an issue. So I measured this on Google Maps. It's about a 1,500-foot mm-hmm. walk from Africa to Conservation Station right now, which is the same distance as from Navi River Journey to Kilimanjaro Safaris. Interesting. But, I, and I put in the show notes a map from Google Maps, there is unused land closer to the current train station in Africa, just northeast of the Maharaja Jungle Trek. Hmm. And you see that? It's basically an open field. And I don't know if they're using that for animal exercise or, or if that's just literally vacant land but that is plenty big enough jim to run a land there what are they doing with that that's a that's, that's that space is about say 80 percent of the size of the entire kilimanjaro safaris layout that's all and it's got some you got a few buildings in there but nothing you couldn't handle with a bulldozer in an afternoon this was supposedly an idea that that joe Rody pushed back hard against was the notion of taking the train system that guests take over to a conservation station and retheming that around the train that, that Judy Hopps got on to go to the, the city of Zootopia. Sure. 
and then to do the Zootopia attraction over there. And Joe supposedly pushed hard against that. It didn't happen while he's in charge. And this is what's fascinating about this new idea that's being considered for Dinoland USA, where you do the uh, Moana, for lack of a better term, it's Splash Mountain, and you have your Triceratops spin rethemed around the Kakamora, the, the crazy coconut <laughs> characters. And then you do the Indiana Jones Countdown to Extinction thing. You, you keep the ride system in place. Mm-hmm. You flatten everything in that building. Yeah. And that's where the Zootopia ride goes. Oh, retheming a dinosaur to Zootopia. Yeah, that's supposedly what's on the table at this point. And that would that would make sense because a dinosaur terrifies small children. And if you make it kid it friendly, you, mm-hmm. you throw some lights on. You may, you know. I was talking just last night with a, a longtime listener uh, to the show. Hey, Kim. And we were talking about this very same thing, and it's like, wow, so they'd, they'd light the interior of the building. That would be interesting. You know, just sort of like, there's an idea. Exactly. So. All right, cool. My, uh, my last suggestion here, both at Tomorrowland Speedway and Disneyland's Autopia, they are low-rated. Mm-hmm. They have huge footprints. It's hard to think that Disney doesn't have like a dozen better ideas for that space. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, you know, it's so many little kids. That's something they want to do. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, but I'm no, saying, you're not wrong. It's a huge footprint and they could do something more. Could you do something? So. Exactly. Could you do something more popular in that mm. space? So we'll see. Ultra. Yeah. Popular. All right. If anybody has any ideas on things that they would propose putting on the uh, cutting table, mm. let us know. Yep. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us about several unbuilt expansion ideas for the Haunted Mansion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's that time of year again. The kids are headed back to school, and now there are all these chores that need to get done as we head into the fall. This is why so many of us find ourselves lying awake at night with thoughts racing through our heads as we try to remember everything we need to get done. Which, let's be honest here, can then make it difficult to sleep. So, how do you then deal with a stressful situation like this? Well, as it turns out, one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. Yep, therapy. And if you think about giving therapy a try, well, might I suggest BetterHelp. BetterHelp is entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. To get matched with a licensed therapist, just fill out a brief questionnaire and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Look, I've talked previously on this podcast about how bleak my personal life got after my divorce back in the late 1990s, and it was therapy that got me through that incredibly rough stretch, which is why I've since become such a huge proponent about seeking out professional help. And BetterHelp offers affordable, convenient online therapy when you need it from licensed professional therapists. Look, you deserve to be happy, so get a break from all those racing thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DisneyDish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DisneyDish. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. 
All right, Jim, I mentioned uh, earlier in the news segment that Disneyland has announced an expansion and some rework of the Haunted Mansion queue in Disneyland. But there's more than that, right? There is. There is. I mean, there's no other way to put it, folks. You know, the Haunted Mansion is having a moment mm-hmm. right now. I mean, yeah, the new movie version that was out in theaters this past summer, which second try by Disney Studios to make a movie based on Mansion, didn't exactly set the world on fire. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, cost $160 million to make and to date has only pulled in $62 million in North America. So that's not a, a moment that makes accountants happy. Have you seen it? I have, I have. And again, it's it's got a killer cast. Yeah. And it has a surprisingly strong thread running through it about dealing with grief. I mean, yeah. it, it really has a, a neat emotional underpinning. And not to give away the ending, but tater tot. Oh, <laughs> it is a, that's a great touch. But if you, we look around, I mean, for example... You know, in Florida, work is still underway to bring the Hatbox Ghost into the mansion of uh, Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. Yep. And again, I understand, kind of controversial. Other thing important to remember here about the Hatbox Ghost coming to Florida mm-hmm. is the folks who run Momentum More, the gift shop that's sort of just beyond the exit of Haunted Mansion Holiday. In Liberty Square, uh, yeah. They are... Yeah. yeah, they are positively giddy about the amount of Hatbox Ghost merch they think they're going to sell once that character finally officially oh, yeah. debuts yeah. in the attraction. And do we have a ballpark yet on, on when that's actually going to happen? No idea. Uh, no you know, idea. My, my guess okay. is less than one Tron, but whatever. <laughs> we'll do it. That's an interesting unit of measure, <laughs> Len. It's, it's, my, it's my new default. There we go. There we go. All right. Meanwhile, out on the West Coast. In fact, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, August 31st. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, September 1st, the 2023 edition of Haunted Mansion Holiday Debuts. And per usual, that's again another big merchandise mover. And believe it or not, Len, this is going to be the 21st year that the mansion has been Burtonized. Wow. Worth remembering that Haunted Mansion Holiday didn't happen in 2020. Uh, again, that was largely due to COVID. The entire resort was shut down from mid-March of that year all the way through April 30th, 2021. Closed for four, 412 days. Insane. I mean, we're, the, people are going to be talking about that closure for years. They are. But what people are excited about today mm-hmm. is not the 2023 version of Haunted Mansion Holiday, but rather the expansion of the mansion's grounds that just got announced uh, earlier this week. Yeah. So you've read the press release, right? Yep. Okay. So this is not about doing anything inside the mansion. In fact, these additions to this attraction will build on the story and already established lore of Disney's Haunted Mansion and will include an expanded outdoor queue to immerse guests in enhanced theming as well as a new retail shop adjacent to the attraction's exit. This expanded queue space will take guests through gardens that will then celebrate three of the the mansion's more infamous residents, and that's Master Gracie, Madame Leota, and the One-Eyed Cat. Oh, interesting. So we've got sort of a garden-esque thing in Walt Disney World, right? That was one of the the, uh, expansions in the last decade or so. Yeah, but what's interesting is, remember, that was a scene one with all of the interactive stuff. In right. fact, um, I, I 
What in, especially intrigues me about this new expanded gardens thing is I was talking uh, with folks at Disney over the last day or so, and they were mentioning that these three new scenes will allow up to 600 additional people to be in the physical queue for the mansion. Now, mind you, you know, they still have to make their way all the way through this back and forth to get to the actual entrance of the mansion. But that's another 600 bodies off the street. And I think that's the that's the thing that I got out of this announcement when I read Mm -hmm. it. I mean, you and I have talked Mm -hmm. on this show about how Imagineers seem only to want to work on two attractions, and that's Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean. And so when I saw this, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, my God, do something else. But if you think about the Mm -hmm. crowd control that's going to be needed next fall when Tiana's Bio Adventure opens and they have the Haunted Mansion holiday, right? That Mm -hmm. that is where you want to get people off of that walkway from New Orleans Square to Critter Country, and you want to move it over to outside of that uh, pedestrian traffic. And so I think this is a crowd control measure. Like what was the thing that they did um, uh, prior to galaxy's edge opening up? What was the name of that? Like project oh, sparkle or something. Project Stardust. Stardust. And I, yeah, I am so glad you brought that up because I was chatting with our Disney unpack collaborator, Mr. Schull the other day about this very thing. And he's genuinely concerned that you have Tiana's Palace opening up. In fact, it, it, it'll be open now. Yeah, isn't it's, it? it's, the, uh, the... it's open. Yeah. Okay. And, but that's at that's at the clo- the Adventureland end of uh, New Orleans Square, and Haunted Mansion's uh, at the opposite end. Well, actually, they're a lot closer than you might think, Leonard. Think about this: we have Tiana's Palace. You then have. The Haunted Mansion, directly across from the Haunted Mansion, you have the new Pelican Landing, and that just opened in 2001 uh, to create more seating for food service with the Harbor Gala. Oh, right. You then consider that, you know, again, Tiana's Bayou Adventure and the fact that all of this stuff has come online in a relatively short window of time just behind opening Galaxy's Edge, right. you know, in 2019. So if if you think about all of this new stuff that people are come, you know, the Southern Californians come to Disneyland and they want to see the new stuff, the center of gravity of this park is going to so significantly change, especially when Haunted Mansion Holiday happens. Right. And remember how much retail they do uh, every year that keys off of those characters. And we haven't even talked about the new carriage house component, the, the post-show retail that they're going to build. You know, I mean, you're going to come up out of the mausoleum mm-hmm. at the mansion and then directly to your left is going to be a brand new freestanding store. Really? And, that big? Uh, that big. In fact, I had always been told that, well, shouldn't you guys have a store? I mean, you always have a cart. Yeah. You always have, you know, they have a tiny little merchandise cart outside of the mansion. And why don't you build something at the exit? And yeah, that looks like a mausoleum. I mean, it would just go, right? Like, come on. Well, <laughs> but the, the interesting thing is they're supposedly a retaining wall oh. there right next to the exit of the attraction that is very problematic. The fact that they are finally willing to weigh in and deal with this issue in order to create this space is kind of huge. Oh, good. But uh, as Mr. Shul was saying, when you think about all of those new things that are being added to that side of the park, yeah. 
it's entirely possible that at some point in the very near future, someone's going to Disneyland and going to walk up to the hub and they're going to ask a cast member, what's the fastest way to get over to Tiana's Bayou Adventure? Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> you no, know, that's an exact yeah. You're going to direct them through Fantasyland and yeah. then take one of those two portals. And that's the way to go because otherwise it's body to body from yeah. Tiana's Palace all the way to the Bayou. Well, I mean, I know that I know the park ops likes to have multiple paths to get to the same place, right? That's just, it's good crowd control. It's good emergency planning, right? It's just, it's, it's better if you can do that. So that, that totally makes sense. No, but you're, yeah, to your point, like when everything hits Mm -hmm. next fall, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a throng of people and you know, the lines for Tiana's bio adventure are going to be, you know, a couple hours long. Oh, They're going to have to figure out where to put those people. So I think, you know, this moving some of the guests that are in the line for haunted mansion in more into the uh, the area inside the the gates there definitely makes sense. There's a part of me that just feels so bad for Guy Selga, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, Guy, <laughs> Guy, uh, Guy does our uh, in-park and Disneyland stuff. Yeah, and he's probably going to spend a lot of time figuring out walking distances and things like that. Oh, no, no, absolutely. But, but anyway, to get back to the carriage house, what's kind of interesting is that the story that they're creating for that building is supposedly... This would be where Madame Leota lived while she was doing the, uh, you know, staying as a guest, excuse me, at the mansion. And the plan was that this building on the grounds of the mansion Mm -hmm. would actually be decorated with some of the props and the costumes that... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis used oh. and, and wore during the, the movie that came out this summer. Uh, of course, now, uh, what with the movie underperforming at the box office, it'll be interesting to see if they go forward with that. And Oh, yeah. When the first Haunted Mansion movie came out in November of 2003, and that had a really strong Disney pedigree. I mean, the, yeah. the director of it was, was Rob Minkoff, the co-director of the, uh, the animated Lion King, and producer was Don Hahn, the producer of, of the animated Beauty and the Beast. And the, so the Imagineers were so certain this was going to be a success, they were already planning on sort of like what happened with the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where we got the animatronic Jack Sparrow and Barbosa in 2006. They were already talking about bringing elements of that Eddie Murphy movie into the mansion. And and Mm. in fact, to the point where they had had discussions with Jennifer Tilly's agent, the idea was that they'd already talked with her about January 2004. We're going to need you to come in because we're going to reshoot the Leota stuff. We're going to need you to read the spiel that that they've done forever in that space, and we're going to need you to <laughs> hold your face very still so we can put it in the ball. Yeah, so, and so, we, so we can uh, projection map it onto a onto a sphere. Yeah. There All we right. go. Yeah. There we go. But anyway, that fell off the table, and now here we are. You know, again with the folks in California who are just thrilled about. You know, I think of all the aspects of this. The notion that they are finally getting a dedicated retail for a mansion just just makes them giddy. And again, that that's all on the back of what they know from the folks in Florida who, remember, you know, Memento Mori only became the mansion dedicated store in, what was that, October of 2014. Prior to that, it was the Yankee Trader. Yeah, and I, I think this is actually a great addition to the park mm-hmm. because it follows the theme pretty closely it, mm-hmm. it makes use of existing space, so nothing had to be knocked down uh, to get it. Right. And it definitely fits in better than Yankee Trader, 
for that particular yeah. segment of the uh, of the park. The thing that I've always been interested in is mm-hmm. when you're sitting at lunch at Columbia Harbor House and mm-hmm. looking out over the mansion, you know, the queue. Because mm-hmm. I like to sit on the second floor and look at the line at Haunted mm-hmm. Mansion. It's just what I do. Like, yep. could they have themed something inside Columbia Harbor House to fit in with the story of like one of the characters, like Master Gracie. Oh, Mr. Testa. <laughs> good good lead-in, Jim. You have a story for this? <laughs> there we go. All there right. we go. Because I just recently discovered Marcelo Vignali's online portfolio. And Marcelo, for those of you who don't know, was an imagineer, a, a brilliant imagineer. In fact, you know, they, when you ride through Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin mm. out in California, so many of those wonderful show scenes came straight out of uh, Marcelo's pencil. Brilliant designer, great guy. And the imagineers at one point were eyeballing the notion of, okay, could we expand the footprint? of the Haunted Mansion, I, you know, just not with Memento Mori, and it was, like you just said, Len. Could we go across the street yeah. to Columbia Harbor House? And if so, what could we do? And so just this week, I shared with Len two pieces of art that I found in, in Marcelo's portfolio for the Haunted Harbor Galley. Can you describe what, what I sent you? Yeah, so I, first of all, I love it. This is sort of like a brown and red uh, pencil drawing. And it uses the existing Columbia Harbor House outside structure. So, uh, you know, that stays the same. And you can see the, uh, in sort of on the left side of the concept art, the walkway into Fantasyland. So that part stays as well. The interesting thing is that there are nautical themes bolted on to the outside of the existing building to make it look like it's a ship crossed with Columbia Harbor House. So the very front of Columbia Harbor House, the the mm-hmm. sidewall facing the mansion is the bow of a ship complete with like the rigging and everything going back in. And the, and out of the roof of Columbia Harbor house is a set of sails, you know, and they're all tattered and they're blowing in the wind and stuff, which would totally happen in Florida anyway. But like, you yep. also see like, <laughs> you know, like there's a little portico entrance on the side of um, mm-hmm. Columbia Harbor. So on the top of that, where it would be like a second floor balcony or patio, you've got a, a, a ship's wheel <laughs> and flags and stuff. So you could you could definitely see characters coming up there and like you know yelling at passersby, saying "Come in and try some of our victuals and stuff." Speaking of when you enter the restaurant, uh, Marcelo did an amazing sort of taste of. Yeah. You know, how they would trick up the interior of, of Columbia Harbor. And the thing so. that I love about this, too, is it keeps the the details of the original Harbor House. Like, mm-hmm. you could look at this concept art, and it looks like, you know, the inside of a ship, whatever. But then there are ghostly things added to it. Like, there's a treasure chest sitting in mm-hmm. the corner. And every yep. kiosk, you know, for a terminal where you order food has a little ship's wheel in front of it. But the thing that I love, too, is you walk in... And normally I, yeah, I don't look to the left because the food is to the mm-hmm. right when I go in. But to the left is a skeleton in a diving bell suit. <laughs> where And it looks like it's illuminated from the inside just to oh, see yeah. the skull. Yeah, it's yeah. great art. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely killer. Yeah. This is doable. That's what's fascinating about it. This basically, Len is a turnkey. You know, the moment that Disney actually decides, you know, there's actually a market out there for a haunted mansion. And again, remember, this is a counter service. What's the capacity for 
Uh, you know, it's, um, it's several hundred. It's not as big as um, Pecos Bills, which kind of goes into okay. uh, Tortuga Tavern, but it's uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. decent size. Yeah, okay. so okay. you know the thing yeah. that I love about this though, Jim, is I mean this is all mm-hmm. Instagrammable. Like this is made oh, for social no, media. Oh, totally, totally. But again, it's just it's one of these ideas that that's literally sitting in a drawer that Disney could turn on today if they decided to. Now to jump back to Disneyland mm-hmm. for a moment. Disney has been looking for ways to expand the footprint of the Haunted Mansion long before uh, this new expanded queue in the retail. In fact, that's the other thing I shared with Len this week is I came across a series of production paintings that were done for a nighttime show that was proposed for Disneyland back in the mid to late 1980s. And oh, it's that old. Wow, interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, they had been kicking the tires about doing some sort of nighttime thing on the Rivers of America mm-hmm. for years. I mean, they had the Rolling River Review that they do on a seasonal basis, yeah. but it was the notion of if we really invested, if we did something of size, what could we do? And what the stepping off of this point uh, for this show would have been introducing a new piece of mythology to Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, was to, which the fact was, oh, I don't think you want to be around there after dark. And it's like, well, well why? Really? Why? Yeah, why? Well, it's a, you know, it's a, because, well, after dusk, the 999 happy haunts inside of that building can actually come out. I mean, mind you, they can't go all that far. They can go into the streets of, of you know, New Orleans Square and, and actually make it just a little bit across the rivers of America to Tom Sawyer's Island. Wow, that opens up a ton of entertainment possibilities. And so let's talk about these paintings okay. that I shared with you. When when you look at the these, and, and what's fascinating for me is there's so much of the core of the ultimate phantasmic show that we've got, I was going to say, example. yeah, this is this is basically spooky phantasmic. That's it exactly. I mean, for example, they turn the Columbia. It's not the Jolly Roger with with Peter Pan and Captain Hook. It, it's a ghost. It's a ghost ship. ship with ghosts fighting along the uh, the sides. On you know, there's yeah. on a plank. There's explosions. Mm-hmm. There's ghosts up in the um, in the sails. You know, fighting each other with yeah. with cutlasses. Yeah, yeah, and you could see how but, like you know, with the right sort of bodysuits and costuming that glow in the dark. Uh, this would totally yeah. make sense. No, 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 totally. But but at the same time, what's also interesting is to look at how they were planning on using that stage space at the end, the, the southernmost end of Tom Sawyer's Island. Mm. And, you know, for example, there's a painting where they recreate the seance room scene with yeah. Madame Leota. And then there's also a one in the pile there where it's, the organist of the Grand Ballroom. Right, the and then you see the ballroom out. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They clearly put a lot of time, a lot of thought into this. And what ultimately, as it was explained to me, was that when they went to, to show it to Disneyland management, the, the pushback was, yeah, guys, this is great, but this celebrates just one attraction. <laughs> and in much <laughs> the same way as you know, earlier in the show, how you were talking about how there's so many little kids who are terrified of... You know, Dinosaur the Ride or Countdown to Extinction. Yeah. You know, the notion of, you know, the little kids are like, well, I don't want to watch a nighttime show that's, that's only about Haunted Mansion. That would be scary. And so they eventually defaulted to a, all right, let's go with a, a broader palette, so to speak. Uh-huh. And this is how we wound up with the, the show that early on had the ungainly title of 
Disneyland Imagination River Show. Wow. You want to talk about a non-specific title. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> a generic nighttime entertainment, <laughs> which eventually dev- uh, devolved uh, or uh, to Fantasmic. Now, uh, to bring this... Uh, this week's uh, feature to a close. We got the original Fantasmic opened May of 1992. Uh, That show has been suspended since the fire back in April, uh, April 22nd of this year. And Disney has announced that the show will return in spring of 2024 with a brand new climax, which means that they are abandoning the fire breathing dragon idea. And I would argue, Len, if they're still looking for a climax, they should pull out these, these eight production paintings. Oh, yeah. there's, an, there's a couple of ideas in here that could be, you know, amazing. The concept art is really, really well done. And every panel of this art has, you know, five good ideas that you could, oh, yeah. you could implement. Yeah. I, get, I get that Disney doesn't want to do a nighttime spectacular that's devoted to just one attraction. But... Yeah. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of money and uh, and incur a lot of downtime on Haunted Mansion. I don't know if they could make this a seasonal entertainment thing because the, the expense would be just insane. But, Jim, you could sell tickets just to the park just on this alone. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I, I love this whole concept. I like the idea, too, of the, uh, the, uh, the invisible horses drawing the... Uh, <laughs> The see-through hearse again remains to be seen, um, but on the on the water, like it's a boat, but yeah, it looks like a carriage. Yeah, oh, yeah. so many great ideas! Yeah, this great is ideas. really so, good stuff. But but anyway, so that that's kind of a, a an overview of everything that's going on with Mansion right now, as, as well as stuff that almost happened. That's fantastic, Jim. Will you uh, will you push these uh, images to social media so people can see them? Absolutely, fantastic, Absolutely. fantastic. So, yeah, great ideas. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. On next week's show, I'm headed to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, my first ever Halloween Horror Nights, and a preview of Journey of Water inspired by Moana. And Jim will have that story about the Disney Cruise Line after it announces its next ship, the Disney Treasure. You can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Len, at TouringPlans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be flying his beloved red airship Nina 99 at the break of dawn on Saturday, September 23rd at the 2023 Ruby Mountain Balloon Festival in both beautiful downtown Elko and beautiful downtown Spring Creek, Nevada, because you have to land somewhere. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show. <laughs> <laughs>